0: Hello and welcome to the NZ Ahead podcast. I'm Liz and today I've got a really special show for you. I'm interviewing a teacher. She's American. They moved to New Zealand a few years ago and she's now living in New Zealand and working as a teacher. Her name is Jo. I'm going to introduce you to her in a minute. But first of all, just a quick backstory of the show and how we came to meet Jo. Jo's husband, Ryan, who I have interviewed a few times now on the podcast. You'll remember hearing me talked about money and cost of living in America compared to New Zealand. He's just fabulous. He is part of our New Zealand private community group. And when I was looking for a teacher to interview, he said, oh, my wife Joanne is a teacher. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you. So that's who you're gonna meet and that's how I met Joanne. This episode is just packed with absolute goodness. If you are moving to New Zealand with kids, Or if you're moving to New Zealand and you want to be a teacher, you are going to love this show. Honestly, I homeschooled my kids, so I don't know much about the schooling system. And I was just sat with my mouth open listening to everything that Joe had to say. It's such good stuff. The questions that I put to Joe, basically what happened is I went to our private community. We've got a private Slack group. Filled with people who are all wanting to move to New Zealand and are all supporting each other on the journey of getting to that point where they can say they're moving to New Zealand. And I went to that Slack group and I said, Look, I'm going to be interviewing Joe. What questions do you want me to ask? And honestly, you should have seen that it was like, dun 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 dun, you know, just all these questions just piling in that people wanted to know about. When I move to New Zealand with kids, what I want to know what's going to be happening at the school. So. As I said, you are going to love, love, love this show. I want to talk to you later after the show. If you want to know more about the New Zealand Call in private community I'm coming into that Slack group and getting those videos all about living in New Zealand, moving to New Zealand, then hang around to the end of the show. And I promise to tell you more about it then. But until then, sit back. You've got an extra long episode here. You're going to absolutely love it. And let's meet Joe. Got it, got it, got it. Welcome to the NZ Ahead podcast. Everything you need to know about moving to and living in New Zealand. There's a whole world here. It's so nice to be with you again. You'll be right, ora. We call it on around here, bro. We are your hosts, Liz and Brian.
1: Amazing New Zealand in the Southern Seas. See, that's where I belong. That's home.
0: Joe, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Kiara, <laughs> um, glad to Thank be you here. for joining me. I'm just going to give you a quick introduction and then I'm going to throw it all over to you but basically we have got a private New Zealand call-in community group and within that group we've got teachers moving over to New Zealand and they are desperate to know about what it's like to be teachers in New Zealand and also you know like as a parent you want to know like what the schools are like and what the setup and things like that so Ryan who is your husband has been on the podcast a couple of times before and he's absolutely wonderful and he let it slip he's like oh my wife's a teacher and we were like "Ooh, (laughs) this could be good (laughs) so I just want to thank you so much because yeah we've sort of pounced on you and sort of grabbed you and said you are please go and do this podcast for us and here you are so I just want to say thanks very much for that for joining us I'm happy to do
1: it. I wish I had known more before we had well, moved. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As a mum, you just want to know so much, don't you? You know, it's, it's, it's the major thing about moving to a different country when you've got kids, isn't it? So anyway, Joe, could you just introduce yourself and and we'll just take it from there? Yes, um, of course. So um kiura. I'm Joe Bevins.
1: I'm a teacher here in New Zealand. I'm currently teaching year one, which is um, what in the States we would call kindergarten. Um, I've been teaching for a little over 13 years Um, I'm a specialist teacher in the states I I work with kids um, with learning
0: differences but here I'm just a plain old classroom teacher sure not a plain old classroom teacher but (laughs) uh, we'll talk about those about your different you know you the your special that oh, spit it out Liz we'll talk about that later on in the show about how you've changed you, you know roles but I've got to be totally honest with you Joe. I put all my questions out to our community because I homeschooled my kids and I just said what is it you want to know about schools and teaching and they gave me a list as long as your arm the as long, long list. as your arm mm-hmm. yeah I sent it to you and I was like oh please don't be scared <laughs> off so if you don't mind I'm just going to go through those questions that those people have given to me and we can just chat As we go along are you are you just happy to do that this is good thanks thanks so much (laughs) joe thank you right so the number one question first of all i'm gonna just ask you is a lady said i am a trainee teacher in the uk and i don't have my credentials by the time I move so she's going to be moving here and she's going to be doing teacher training like you know when she gets here but she's worried Mm -hmm. about her chances of getting a job what how as a teacher what what do you think about that well um so I, I tell
1: her not to worry so right now we do have a teacher shortage in New Zealand and the pandemic has not helped so some people have returned to teaching because it's a very um stable career so we've gotten some of our teachers back over this um long lockdown but um we've also lost some and and there's plenty of roles available so not to worry about getting a job i think too when i read the question there was some um there was some question on what type of training do you need to have to be a teacher here in New Zealand. And since I didn't do my initial teaching training here, I can only speak to what I've seen. But um, here I've got friends who have completed bachelor's degrees in teaching and they're teaching in classroom roles. And then I have friends that have completed um, teacher qualifications or having a teaching diploma which isn't a full year four-year degree but it has all the practical bits about teaching and there they have the same classroom job so once you're qualified to teach in New Zealand there are positions available wow. um, the real trick is getting qualified which can be tricky when you come from
0: overseas yeah. yeah. Okay, you, you you were qualified when you came over, though, weren't you? Did you just walk straight? In- oh, you no, weren't. no. Oh. So
1: I had I, I
0: had read
1: all the things that I needed to bring to to do my qualifications, um, and there was a long list of paperwork. Um, but I thought we're talking a couple of months, and I'll be you know, qualified to teach. I've been teaching over a decade, you know, I didn't think I'd have any trouble, um, but it actually took me nearly eight months to get qualified. Um, The NZQA process, which is the government organization that looks at your qualifications, that process alone took about six months. Mm. And then... um, My undergraduate degree wasn't in teaching. I had an alternative pathway to becoming a teacher, and so I ended up getting a master's degree in teaching, but I got a master's of science degree. And that doesn't exist in New Zealand. So when um, it wasn't an initial just, oop, this is okay. So even with 10 years of teaching and a master's degree, I still struggled to
0: get qualified. God, that's crazy, isn't it? Because you, like you say, you just need walk straight into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was um, it was okay. The teacher council did something called the discretionary pathway. So they, they you know, that's where a real person looks at it and, and isn't just ticking a box and said, okay, well, she's got this, this, and this. Yes. And so um, it really, once it got to that level, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have any trouble finding a position. Um, it was it was simply going through the bureaucracy. So I would suggest anybody coming over to go ahead and get started on their NZQA qualifications now where you are,
0: because that can take quite a long period of that's time. Some, that's really good advice. Yeah, because that's not something you would think of, is it? That's that's really great advice. Where do you live, Joe? So we live um, in an Auckland,
1: what we'd call suburb, uh, at the very end of the Fungapunaroa Peninsula um, in a little town called Gulf Harbour. Mm-hmm. So we're a short 50-minute ferry drive from the central Bus- business district, but um, really in a world of our own because we're at the end of a peninsula.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I know when Ryan talked about living there, it sounded like this perfect little community that you've got there and he gets the ferry over to work in Auckland and it just sounded so lovely but were you were you like intent on getting a job within that area or did you mind where you worked or we picked the area to live
1: in because we knew that they had great beaches and good schools. And so we said, OK, this is where we want to live. Um, and then I, it was like, OK, now this is where I want to work. Because it takes forever to get off the peninsula. It's almost a good 20 minutes just to get to um, the main highway mm-hmm. and then another 10 or 15 minutes somewhere else. So I didn't want a long commute. So I did. I went around to the primary school. And offered my assist. You know, oftentimes you have to tie, you take. At first, I took a teacher aid job while I was waiting for my qualifications. And then once I got qualified, it was the wrong time of the school year to get a permanent position. So I I looked at relief teaching, which is our substitute teaching. And that's often a really good way to get hired. Well, I had applied for a position as a relief teacher. And it just turned out that the school in our neighborhood, Gulf Harbor Primary School, right down the street from our house, they had somebody... Um, who for for health reasons left at the end of the year and they had a position open and they were interviewing candidates on Christmas Eve so everybody laughs that Aww. I was interviewed on Christmas Eve <laughs> What a lovely
0: Christmas present hey
1: how perfect is that that was yeah, meant to be so it's great so, the, yeah, so our kids go there and it's in walking distance of our house and so it really was you know this kind of serendipitous um, thing that happened but it is really really
0: lovely living and working in the same community. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, I can just imagine your little family in your house there on the, and you're only saying that it takes ages to get to Auckland because you don't want other people to come and live there, isn't it, Joe? You're just like, oh no, it's horrible <laughs> here, it's so busy, you know. Don't come and live here. <laughs> I know what you're well, up Well, it's a lovely ferry
1: ride, but you do not want to drive no. it. No, and you don't want to be parking downtown. So it's a lovely ferry ride. If you have to take the bus, it takes a bit longer, but it's not too bad
0: but um, it is quite a drive yeah I'm so I'm so nosy and I just want to know all about your life and about you but we are here to talk about what it's like to be a teacher so I'm going to get back to my questions and another question that someone asked would what is the difference in New Zealand and I've always wanted to know this actually if you dream of moving to New Zealand then you are going to love what I'm about to share with you 12 years ago, when me and Briar emigrated to New Zealand, we were scouring the internet trying to find any information that we could about what our life would be like when we got here. And basically all we had was YouTube. So we made this vow. We said, when we get to New Zealand, we're going to create something that we can share with others that answers those questions that you're so desperate to know about. Like, what is your life going to be like when you get here? And that's what I'm here to offer you today. We have created a five-day free, absolutely free, video guide that shows you what it's really like to live in New Zealand. This stuff is unique and it is fantastic fabulous you are not going to find it anywhere else on the internet and like i say it's absolutely free you'll be sent a video every day for 5 days and you will know what it's like in new zealand so head over to the website it's www.nzahead/free one more time that's www.nzahead/free you are going to love it it's like to be a teacher so I'm going to get back to my questions and um, another question that someone asked would what is the difference in New Zealand and I've always wanted to know this actually it, between a private school and just a normal regular school?
1: Yeah so um, public so we actually have a couple at uh, This isn't actually a clear-cut question. First off, um, most schools in New Zealand are public schools. There's very few private schools in New Zealand. They do exist, um, and they are options for parents, but it's nothing like it is in the States. And um, so we have many, many more public schools than we do have private schools. Now, we also have a third category of schools that doesn't really exist elsewhere. And we have what's called state integrated public schools. So these are Catholic schools, Christian schools, um, Uh, Steiner schools, Montessori schools, where they are privately owned, the school buildings and all of that are privately owned, but they teach the New Zealand curriculum and the Ministry of Education funds per student. So it's a little bit of that private partner, you know, private-public partnership that we see in a lot of other areas in New Zealand, that happens in schools too. Now, private secondary or high schools are a little more common, and I think um, some Parents choose private schooling in the secondary schools because they want, um, you know, they might want a different curriculum, like the new or the UK Cambridge curriculum yep. is offered in some of the private schools. Um, they might feel that it's slightly more rigorous than our public schools. So there are there are some secondary options, but not as many primary school options. M- most kids in New Zealand go to public right, schools. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, because I, I know there's a, a few people on the community, and they'll say, you know, wh- wh- you know, how, how do I, wh- what are the private schools like, and how do we get our kids into private school? And it is once you've lived here, and your kids, although I say my kids didn't go to school, they did. They went to school for two years in New Zealand. Um, you just think, you know, why why would you send send your kids to private school, a primary private school in New Zealand? It's just it seems a bit pointless, doesn't it? Yeah. And even,
1: you know, in the States, everything is always about getting ahead and making sure that you're going to be able to be accepted into that, that university that you dreamed of your first choice. And university acceptance here is just different. Um, You you know, they're all public universities, Mm -hmm. so they're happy to take kids from public schools and they're and it's not this big I've got to build my resume I've got to go to the best you know prep school I've
0: none of that even exists Mm. that's that's a really good point I didn't know that actually when you you you, you sit and think about it yeah of course all the universities are public aren't they whereas in Mm -hmm. America there's private universities is that right yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of private universities. I went to private university um, for my undergraduate and then I did a public university for my graduate. And I'm like, why did I spend all this Mm, money? (laughs) You get an education. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like both ways. Oh, that's a really good point. Um, Yeah. And the Steiner schools. And what was the other one you said? The Steiner schools and Montessori. Montessori, yeah. Yeah. they're quite yeah. popular in New York. No, uses. those are those are
1: harder to find. I wish there was more state integrated Montessori um, schools, but they do exist. Mm. And if that's something people are interested in, then they may choose to live in those areas where they have that type of um, school. Mm. But the state integrated Christian slash Catholic schools, those are more common. Right. So yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Right. Number four. Oh, God, I was going to go number four. <laughs> I'm just looking at my questions. <laughs> so. I, I'm, these were in no particular order, literally. all the It was so funny because when I said, I'm talking to a teacher, I, I thought maybe one or two questions were going to come in. And it was just like, vum, 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 ask her this, ask her that. So I'm sorry if these are all jumbled up. But I think one of the biggest things that I noticed coming from the UK, Sonny, my son, was four. They start school at four in the UK. Well, depending on their birthday. In New Zealand, mm-hmm. so he was born in June, and they the, they start school in the UK in September. So he went and had his first year reception in that September. That's right, yeah. And he was literally, he was a baby. He was like four and a month, two months, three months, whatever it was. Um, and what I loved about when I came here is the kids in New Zealand don't start until they're five years old, do they? Mm-hmm. But Yeah, and... It's quite interesting because they, when they
1: start at five year old, that means the day your child turns yes. five, you can rock up to your public school and they will take yeah. you. So, um, now, I know it's not quite so simple. They like to do a transition process. Please don't say that because the reception teachers be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But legally, they if you are five years old, um, you're entitled to start school um, on your birthday in New yeah. Zealand, which is quite different because in the States, it's the same. A child has to be five before they start, typically in August or September. Right. Yeah. So,
0: But what I've always wanted to know, Joe? well, two things. I wonder what it's like for a kid on his fifth birthday when he wakes up and goes, you're five today come on off to school then (laughs) no cake for you today not till after school (laughs) I've always wondered that and the second thing I wonder is so if they're five so what is the year in New Zealand they start in February is that right school starts in February
1: yeah and we've got um four terms. So the first term goes from February to April and then we get a two-week break and then you're back and you go to July and you get another two-week break. You get a two-week break in October and then you're done the school year, typically mid-December. So um, it's four terms with two-week break in between each term and a six to
0: seven-week summer holiday. So what would happen then, Joe, is if your child was turned five in, let's say, August, so halfway through, what, mm-hmm. ha- how does that work? Do they only get half a year's education or do they get held back? Well, um, so...
1: This is complicated because it also depends on the child. So many kids who start in August do what we call a year zero. So typically we start counting at year one, yeah. but a lot of kids get a year zero or slash reception, depending on what they call that. And then what they'll do is they'll have two, two terms at school, and then the next school year they'll start as a year one. Right. So they actually don't just get two terms at school. They get six terms at school before they go on to year two. Now, what gets really kind of tricky is if you've got a kid that turns five in May. So they would technically have three terms before they would start their year two. So those kids are kind of our bubble kids. And depending on the school, they may keep them for an additional four terms or they may move them in, on, and often that depends on how the student is um, doing at school, how, whether what level of school readiness they had yeah. before they
0: started. Yeah. So it, it does, it's is—it's not a clear-cut answer, but hopefully yeah, that Yeah, that really, really helps. And also, it reminds me, because Tess, my daughter, well, they both turned, both my children have got birthdays in June, but she turned um, six in the June, and the teacher, her teacher just said, Exactly what you've just said. Look, it's up to you. She said, but personally, she said, I'd let her stay on and, you know, stay where she mm-hmm. is and get that extra um, uh, experience. Yeah, confident. Yeah. yeah. Especially because she'd come from overseas as well. And, you know, she was just settling in. And to be honest, I think that was the best thing for her because it was, it did. Although she was one of the old ones in her class and, you know, I, th- I think it was the best thing for her. But like you say, it depends on the child, I suppose, doesn't it? So. It really depends on the child. And
1: what's really interesting, so New Zealand's early childhood um, education, our ECEs, are very much, the ECE curriculum is very much play-based, so um, kids in ECE have very little formal instructional period. They might have a time where they have some songs or do a calendar for 20 minutes a day, but that typically that's as much structure as our ECEs have. It's then, um, it's based off of the child's interests, and. Um, and so it's a big difference for kids when they start school, you know, like all of a sudden, most schools in New Zealand wear uniforms. They teach, a, you know, the New Zealand curriculum, which some schools teach like I, some schools do teach the New Zealand curriculum through play. But most are more traditional about the teaching of school once they've started school. Um, so it is a big change and so kids do need to need to take some time to get used to okay it's it's time to eat everybody's Mm, eating together no you can't just eat when you're hungry you know like these are things that um new zealand kids learn for the
0: first time when they
1: come to school that's
0: really interesting so when you say that they learn through play how long does that go on for typically what you know when does it start becoming more structured what age are they when it starts becoming more structured?
1: Yeah, so typically that happens in year two and certainly by year three. So um, because, so year one through six, is considered primary school so they often they're broken into years one and two are the junior school years three and four are your middle school and your years five and six are your um, senior primary Mm -hmm. school and so often you think about it in that so you might have a school who teaches a play-based you know teaches the New Zealand curriculum through play but they wouldn't do it past that junior mark so certainly by the time they're in year three they would be in a more structured um, learning environment but some schools really like to keep that um, junior group you know as much play as possible.
0: Mm. So when you were teaching in the U.S. were you um, was it like quite strict and were you sticking to a curriculum and?
1: Yeah well so in the U.S. Um, things are just structured differently there that you might have a state um, board of education and the state might choose the curriculum. But oftentimes schools had a lot more um, choice in what they were going to teach, like what curriculum, what textbooks they were going to purchase, those kind of things. Well, in New Zealand, all of that comes from the Ministry of Education. So the same Readers that are in the school next to your house are the same ones that are going to be in the school down the block. Mm-hmm. So when you're changing school, your kids are often going to see the same material all over New Zealand. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they're North Island, South Island, it's going to be look very similar on what their um, resources and curriculum look like. However, schools are not run by the Ministry of Education. So the Ministry of Education give all of the curriculum and resources to a local board of trustees, and that's for every school. So the board of trustees is a bunch of um, volunteers who are elected by the community to run the school. So they're in charge of hiring, they're in charge of setting the school's purpose and values, and they're in charge of how that curriculum is going to be be administered. So they they can't change the curriculum, but they can just determine how that curriculum is administered to the kids. And so that's why you'll see differences among schools. They might feel a little different because that board of trustees might have a different focus or a different area that um, meets the needs of their local community that they want to focus on. So it is, it is, it can vary quite a bit, that flavor but the what a child learns at school is going to be the same across every yeah. school in New Zealand, every public school.
0: And I school. suppose that's easier as a teacher, from a teacher's standpoint as well, because if you moved from school to school, you know, not that that's ideal that you're going to move from school to school, but say you did move jobs, you know the curriculum. You don't have to start all over again and learn mm-hmm. a whole new curriculum, I suppose. That's, was that easier? Would you think that be easier? Or? Yes oh, and really? no. Oh, so the thing boring. about the New Zealand
1: <laughs> curriculum is it's like... It's this big kind of um, broad ideas, but it doesn't exactly tell a teacher how they have to teach those ideas. And many teachers love that. They just love, okay, I, I have to teach um, cultural diversity. So I'm going to teach, you know, this and this and this and because I'm interested in that. And you've, as a teacher in New Zealand, you have a lot of flexibility to build your own inquiry topics around the curriculum. It doesn't tell you you've got to teach. Uh, I know in the States it was like, okay, I'm a year, I'm a fourth grade teacher and I have to teach Native American history this year because that's the year we teach Native American history. You know, like, so that doesn't, Happen like that in New Zealand. It's you've got to teach cultural um, responsibility and cultural responsiveness, and you get to ch- kind of look and see how you're going to do that. Right.
0: That's if yeah. That makes sense. I think that's really cool, though, isn't it? I'm listening to that and I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, wow. If I was a teacher, I'd be, I'd, I'd be loving that because, like you say, you're allowed to bring your own flair to it and your own ideas as long as you stick within that curriculum. Is mm. that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. That sounds fantastic. I think that's going to make a lot of people happy then, isn't it? Because like you say, if they've come from... (laughs) Is it? Will that make them happy? I think it will.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, it's it's t- it's two sides of a coin. So something there's something nice about knowing what I'm supposed to teach, um, and be giving all the materials to teach that thing. So if I'm teaching Native American history, then I'm going to have you know readers that support that, and we're going to have um, video series, and there's going to be you know experts in the community that every year they speak about that one thing to the classes and so so there's a lot um, but here in New Zealand teachers make all of that up and they often make all of that up every year yeah, so yeah. Okay. Um, like our school has a two year curriculum cycle so I know when I put together my Matariki which is our um, Maori New Year when I put together that unit in two years I can use that unit again but um, I had to put it together the first mm. time so that's, that's that's another thing. So there's a little more responsibility from the teacher to provide the actual activities and resources that go along with the wider curriculum, mm. if that makes sense. So it's two sides yeah. to a coin. Yes, you've got freedom. Mm. You can you can do it what you care about and what you um, want, but then you also are going to have to um, you know, bring with that stuff to yeah. it. <laughs>
0: Be honest, Joe, is there a bit of competition between you teachers? Like, oh, look, I've done this for Matariki this year. Oh, well, it's not as good as my unit standard that I did last year. (laughs) Is is there a bit of pressure there, Joe?
1: (laughs) I mean, teachers are, you know, we're people, and all people have a little bit of that in them. But I have to say that New Zealand teachers, by and large, are professional cooperative and collaborative. And um, that's part of our professional standards. And collaboration really is something that's ingrained in initial teacher education in New Zealand. Even their practicums are done collaboratively. So um, it's hard to be a New Zealand teacher and not be able to work collaboratively. So I would say that while of course there's always (laughs) going to be a little bit of that, it's it's nothing. So, in the States, I don't know if you follow, um, you probably don't follow teacher boards, but if you go on Pinterest and you're like, oh, look at the door, out the classroom doors outside, and they decorate the classroom right. doors, and there's like crazy decorations. Every month it changes, and it just seems like everybody's trying to one up one another. I haven't seen any of that oh. here it's more like man I really liked those Matariki stars how'd you do them oh
0: send it to oh, you oh yeah here, that's here better go that's ahead. better isn't it yeah, yeah that's much better did you feel a little bit out of your depth when I'm, I'm no I'm flying off now I'm asking my own questions this isn't something someone's asked I'm just being nosy but you know when you came over from the states and there you are you've spent eight months getting your qualification you're all set you walk into the school and they're like right okay off you go Joe. just get on with it and do what you want and you know teach the kids, did you feel out of your depth a little bit? I mean, kids are kids and teaching is teaching. So there's
1: certain fundamentals that don't change. You like your classroom management, your, you know, your relationships with kids, how you've done things for a long time. You don't have to change those foundations. But that first year really was hard. I mean, it was just really hard getting my mind around, okay, um, so, so now my topic is science and space and okay I've got to come up with something that we want to teach and now we work together as a team to to create those things but for somebody not saying okay you need to you know teach this this and this so that was a difference um for me and that and it took a while so my first year it was long hours and it was just um you know getting used to it now that I'm four years in I'm I don't have those same long hours. I don't have that same burden of learning something new. And so it does get better over time. But yeah, it yeah. was hard. It was
0: hard at first, that
1: transition. Yeah.
0: It sounds a lot like homeschooling. It's like you say, you, that for, that with homeschooling, that first year was like, ooh, and then you you kind of yeah. pass that material on to your second child and you know you can use the same old stuff. Poor them, mm-hmm. they're just sitting there. I, I know this or I've <laughs> heard all this. <laughs> um, one question, right, I'm going to get back to my questions. One question that someone said, which I'm intrigued by as well because again in the UK four five-year-olds being sent home with books do you know what Joe? do you know what happened once let me tell you a story we went to Canada with the kids right when we lived in the UK we took our two little kids Sunny was I don't know seven and Tess was four literally she'd just started school they're really really hot about you having any time off school anyway so it was like oh well I don't Mm -hmm. know about this what three weeks in Canada with your kids and we were like, oh yeah, it's gonna be really educational. <laughs> and they said, well, they can go as long as they keep a diary and they read every day and they show prove that they've oh and do you know what? I did it every single day. I dragged them to this table and they were like I was like, come on, do your writing. And they were, like, oh mummy, I don't want to. I just want to go and see the bears, you know. It's like, no, no, <laughs> you know. But so homework to me is just, oh, is dirty word to be honest, you know, but and I know that there is a lot of pressure on kids to have homework in the UK and America. What is it like in New Zealand? What's homework? What what how much homework are the children given in New Zealand?
1: So I will say that every school is different because remember every school has that different flavor. So it could be very different um, because homework's not one of those things that's written into the curriculum. That's again, how you're going to give the curriculum. So I can only speak to, I've, um, I've had a contact with about four different primary schools and all four of those primary schools had a very relaxed policy mm-hmm. To homework, um, So you might as a five year old, you might be given a book that your mom or dad is supposed to read with you every night and you might have to write a reading log. But that might be it. Oh, and as they go on, so maybe you're in middle primary and that you're three and four and maybe you might have um, a website that you're encouraged to go on to continue, you know, to learn your math facts or something like that but it's not necessarily monitored it's not um it's not a big push a homework in general in the primary schools it's not a big push right. it's just not part of the cultural norms of new mm-hmm. zealand um most parents and most Kiwi teachers will say, oh, no, they've done their time. They've had their, They've been at school six hours. We want them to go home and we want them to yeah. play. And so um, that's much more of the culture that, I, that you'll see. But again, some schools are yeah. different. And I know some parents want more. Like I often, I have never gotten the question like, oh, you've given me too much homework. I've often got the question of what else can we do? Oh, really? What, what okay. more can you do? What do I need? Mm. Yeah, so if anything, that's been my feedback from parents is that maybe that's not enough. Personally, I... I and personally, and I think research supports that homework in primary schools isn't well supported for long term school outcomes. So it's not something that I care about. And so it's great to be um, at a school that doesn't really have that big push towards lots of nightly yeah, homework yeah. and certainly not a lot of written homework. Yeah. At home.
0: I just think it's a, it's a nightmare for the kids. But more importantly, it's a nightmare as a parent trying to get them to do it. You know, I remember the kids coming yeah. home, and there was always tears, and it was like they were tired. And oh, I, the thought of not having to do that was just bliss. You know, it was just, and like you say, go out and play after you've after you've been done your schoolwork. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's my view anyway. But mm. uh, what I was the other thing I was going to ask you as well, Joe, is as an immigrant, you know, as coming over here from, from England. Personally, they, they've worked really hard at accepting my kids and making them feel welcome. But I know people have got this particular um, children that are coming over on our community that don't speak English. Um, you know, English isn't their first language. How are those children going to be um, integrated into the school and, and, like, welcomed and made to feel at home? How uh, What would you say about that?
1: I don't know if um, Ryan's made the joke about um, who lives in Gulf Harbor. No, no he <laughs> But he's like... Old people and immigrants oh, okay. live here. That's who we have: old people and immigrants. Um, yeah, so we have a large um, population of sc- kids who's come to school where English isn't their first language, and so um, my we have a program, English a second language, they call it ESOL here. It was ESL in the States, but it's called ESOL here. And um, so there is a person whose job it is to help those kids not just learn English and um, be able to converse, but also to make sure that they feel comfortable and that we, as teachers, know what we need to do to be culturally respective to them. So that's um, that's a big part of uh, there's usually somebody at every school at doing Esol stuff. And so that is something that um, is is available. And so that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so i would I would encourage people moving here not to worry about it too much. Kids learn languages much faster than parents. And um, through immersion of being at school every day, they will pick up language and they're going to have somebody at school supporting them. Depending on where you are, at least in Auckland, where we have so many cultures represented mm-hmm. in so many different home languages, um, nobody bats an eye. Now you go to rural New Zealand, I can't speak mm-hmm. to that. I don't know what that would be like but I can say in Auckland um, and I would guess in your major city areas you're not going to have that sort of resistance
0: how many languages are there in saying like your school how many when you just say there are lots of different cultures how many how many we talk in two dozen 24 yeah yeah there's people from all over the
1: world um, that's in our school
0: so from
1: and from every different continent too
0: yeah Oh, that's that's real. Yeah. Cool. I mean, bearing in mind we're from Tadanaki, where it's like we are quite rural, so, I mean, I know there's mm-hmm. some French children down there, and I think German, but 20, uh, yeah, two dozen languages, that's amazing. And I think
1: among our staff, we have 10 out of 40 who were not born in New right. Zealand, so we have, um, you know... South African and German and you name it from the UK. Yeah. Lots of teachers yeah. from the UK. So real multicultural, um, yeah, there's isn't a, it? That's why Yeah, wide yeah that's
0: fantastic. I hope you all do on on Chris. You know, on school dinners time, it's like, well, you can cook today. Let's have, let's have a bit of Indian today, shall we? <laughs> Just go around all the different cultures, absolutely. Different. When we bring
1: a plate, I always bring Mexican food. That's the thing that I oh. bring because you know, American food is just stolen from every other culture, but like Tex-Mex is not something we have here. Oh, and so I always, lovely. you know, I make queso or lovely. corn dip or that's yeah, That's really nice. Potatoes. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um, right. Just a, a, one more question on the little bit of that, that thinking about myself. So, cause I know that when I used to take Tess to school, she would cry and get so upset and didn't want me to leave. And the teacher would always go, You just go, Liz. She'll be fine when you leave. And I was was always dying to know what did you do with that child once I left. What? How would you? What would you do if a child was just like ah, screaming? What? What? As a teacher, what do you do to help the child get back into the day? Well, normally they
1: are fine. Like the minute you're out of sight, typically the tears sort of dry up and they, you know, get to playing with their friend or coloring or doing something. So oftentimes that distraction is the thing you do. So it's like, oh, you assure them mommy's coming back, you know, she'll be here we typically say after lunch Aww. because that's our like last like thing that they could say so mommy's coming back after lunch and then you sort of just say hey look over yeah. here <laughs> and see if you yeah. can get them <laughs> well done <laughs> interested in something else and 90 percent of the time that yeah. works now i would say if you have that 10 percent of the time where the child is inconsolable and they can't that's where you're like something else is up this isn't that normal separation anxiety and you would want to get mom involved yeah. in that you know figure out a way to help transition because
0: that kind of stress is not good for anyone Mm. Mm. i love the way that you keep mentioning about the child's well-being and you know just it's so refreshing to hear that i don't know if yeah i don't know if that's just a new zealand thing or whether i'm not used to talking to teachers but it's lovely hearing you talk about (laughs) you know just how the child's well-being is the most important it's just it's just lovely it's um and um, talking about the child's well-being, we did have a question who said, what age do they learn about well-being, mental health, citizenship, and relationship education, sex education, things like that? What That, that was a question that came up. Well,
1: I'll start with the,
0: the well-being and citizenship because that, so if you
1: read the New Zealand curriculum, and I encourage any teachers who are thinking about coming over, it's available online. It is a beautifully mm-hmm. written curriculum, and they have these key competencies, like what does a child, what are the things that a child needs to be um, successful and happy and healthy. And there's those, so there's these key competencies, and those are all around well-being and well-roundedness. And so I think that's the foundation of um, the New Zealand curriculum and the New Zealand school. So Ha'ora is the Maori word for well-being, and that is, um, that's taken into consideration from the time they start school. Um, and so I think that that's an area you can feel comfortable knowing that that's part of professional learning initial teacher education it's part it's written into the curriculum it is the foundation um, as far as you know sex education and those kind of things so again the school there is a um, there's a baseline of that in the curriculum but there is also like the schools themselves kind of, Work out how they're going to do that. For example, at Gulf Harbor School, we have a outside agency that comes in and speaks to our senior primary kids, so year five and six. And at that point, it's just around um, boys and girls are separated, and it's all about you know um, your bodies and how they're going to change and those and puberty issues. Now, when they do get into secondary school, they will have some um, some classes around human sexuality and those kind of things. So um, some conservative um, parents that it, you can opt out of those. And so you will find that some people will opt out. So it would be considered from a American's perspective as a very liberal take um, to sex ed in New Zealand. But I do think that the schools um, handle it w- with there, Because it's ran by local volunteers, it's going to be handled in a way that meets the needs of the local mm-hmm. community.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting, you should say, that uh, the Americans might think it was a little liberal. Is that because in America they get taught that at a later age, or it's just taught in a different way? or? Well, it depends on the school district. So in
1: some school districts, like, you're only allowed to teach like abstinence education, you can even teach things like safe sex practices. Right. So there's a lot of restrictions about what you're, and you certainly wouldn't be able to teach about human sexuality. So um, it, it depends. But if you're in New York City public schools, no, you're going to get all of that education. So it really depends on where you are in the states of what you have. Yeah. So, yeah. I
0: find that fascinating. Still, after all these years talking to Americans, I find it absolutely fascinating that each state has its own, it's like a little country, isn't it? Each state is like it is. It is like yeah. a little country. You got to think of the states
1: as little culturally yeah. different countries that all have to somehow work together as a mm. nation. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: the best way of looking at it's it. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about that now. <laughs> so, oh, Joe, I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. I'm just gonna. I know normally we cut it short, but I'm gonna go for an hour because this is just gold. It's absolutely gold. So, are you okay to carry on for 15 minutes? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Right. So another question that we got was what support is there for pupils who are struggling? Um, and also on the other end of the scale, what about if you were super, you know, able, brainy child? What And, you know, how mm-hmm. does that work? So, well, thanks for talking to this because this is my soapbox. Oh, yes.
1: um, <laughs> I do. I, so I have a master's degree in special education. And so when I went into teaching, my heart was for kids that um, have learning differences who learn differently and I have to say that that is one of the areas that New Zealand is somewhat behind the rest of the world um, in their support of kids who learn differently whether that be at the top or the bottom of um, the bell curve so to speak Um, so kids that have severe disabilities um, you know, where they have cognitive delays or really struggle functioning, they they are supported within New Zealand. They can receive special funding. There are special schools. They're, they're largely given the support they need in the least restrictive environment. So kids that are, you know, maybe have, um, you know, Down syndrome or have some other kind of, you know, difference that might make it hard for them to participate in the classroom, they have options. But kids that have more mild or moderate um, learning differences, things like ADHD or on the autism spectrum or dyslexia, they don't have as much support. Um, the support largely falls on the classroom teacher to make. Um, You know, to differentiate the curriculum to meet their needs, but classroom teachers, you know, we have a lot to do, and so that that becomes very challenging um, for classroom teachers. And so, oftentimes, they're just sort of shuffled along. So, I have to say that is one of the areas that um, I know the Ministry of Education is aware of. That it's part of their long term plans. They've tried to roll out a couple of different initiatives to address it. Um, But that is an area that um, people would want to consider if you've got a child that, um, you know, has those needs, you might have some trouble finding the right spot for them. Right,
0: okay, that's interesting. What do you think is the answer? What, What would be the answer there? Well, so
1: I think one of the big problems is is they don't have um, teacher training programs to train teachers on how to address these things. So um, they have some roles within the school system. For example, a lot of um, schools might have a cinco, which is their special education needs coordinator or something yeah. like that. Um, but that the Cinco is usually just a passionate teacher who cares about it, but not necessarily a trained professional. Mm. So they actually don't um, train teachers in that area. So where I had the option of going and getting an undergraduate or a master's degree to work with kids that have um, learning differences, that's not an option. Aww. Those programs aren't available in New Zealand. So I think that's one of the key problems. And the other key problem comes down to um, funding just having enough you know having somebody on your staff that works with kids right now even our cinco's, which is the designated person they don't work with the kids they work with the teachers to help the kids Yeah, yeah yeah and so you really just need a trained professional working with students so oftentimes kids that have you know um, learning differences are often the answer has been schools have given them some teacher aid time but there you have your least qualified professional working with your hardest kid and it should be the other way around it should be your your most well-trained working with the toughest students Um, and that's really you got to change that equation
0: yeah and and does is and you say the same applies for a child who is like way ahead or? So I told you that um, sometimes parents will choose because they want uh, more
1: rigorous academics, and that's often what will happen with our gate students, our gifted and talented students. So oftentimes they will seek out um, other options that. Um, provide a little bit more rigor now in the secondary schools in our high schools they do have more options so they do have um, different programs in place for um, gifted and talented learners but you typically don't get there until you're in secondary Mm -hmm. school so the primary schools they might have a program they might have an after school thing it might um yeah, it might be run by volunteers or by
0: parents, but there's not any specific consideration. Okay, that's interesting. Just, into, but what, once, like you're saying, once they get to prime uh, high school, it changes a little bit, but it's just that primary school. It changes yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, funny what you say about the teacher aid as well. I always used to feel for the teacher aid because when I went into the classroom sometimes to do help with reading and things like that, they they, they did that a lot in, in the Tadanaki school that we had. They'd bring parents in to help with mm-hmm. Do they do that where you are as well? Is that quite common? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that is just, that's an, um, I think when you're having parent volunteers come in, it's it's a clue that you don't have, the support you need to deliver to every child. So I think that that I think that's what they try. What schools try to do to get by, to do something, because they recognize kids need this yeah. help, and um, and they don't want nobody wants a child to mm-hmm. fail and have that cycle of failure.
0: But yeah, mm. so they they try anything. You're gonna try yeah. anything. Yeah. Oh, thanks for answering that, Joe. Um, right. So it says, from a teacher standpoint, can you reasonably do your job within the working week or is it expected that you do more hours? I mean, you did quite an- answer that before with your topic work that you were saying that you did. But
1: yeah, I will say that teaching is just one of those professions. I know we get holidays off and we get, um, you know, and we're supposed to be done at three, but it's just one of those professions that um, your job isn't over at three. You do have things that you have to do. You have planning and professional development and marking now the marking side of things I have found to be um, less you know there's less grading and marking um, than I what I was doing in the states Uh, but there is quite a bit of responsibility outside of that school hour however in general New Zealand has a much better work life balance I find even the times that our schools like so our school starts at nine Mm -hmm. The kid, this um, the academic day starts at nine. Kids can arrive um at eight thirty onto at school, but um, and it's over at three. So the academic day is not as long as it was in the states. Um, And so that's helpful. So I know that when I was teaching in the States, I was getting up before 6 o'clock in the morning in order to get to school by 7 because, you know, the bell rang at 7.45 or some ridiculous time in the Mm -hmm. morning. So I um, I think that's something nice. But... Yeah, I think you can expect to work, you know, anywhere from 45 to 50 hours a week. Um, Now, if once you if you've been at a school for a while and you're teaching the same year level over and over and you've gotten those, you know, curriculum plans in place, then you might be able to get it down to 40 hours.
0: Yeah. But just expect about 45 to 50 when you first start and you're just getting yourself all set up. Yeah, Yeah. that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. great. And also someone said is CPD, which I'm assuming is, you you know, (laughs) professional development, is that encouraged and supported in New Zealand's in New Zealand schools? And are they collaborative places to work? Yes.
1: So um, yeah. So PD. So the ministry gives each school money to do professional development every year, and typically the school then decides what area they want to uh, invest that money in, and so it's not just your own personal; it's the whole school that sort of goes through it together. So, for example, we um, are. Our PD this year was on a program of well-being um, through physical education. So that's what our PD was um, about this year. And the whole school went through that together. So we all learned games and conflict rec- um, conflict resolution yeah. and those kind of things, um, working with um kids to help increase motivation and those kind of things. That's what our PD was about this year. And the whole, you know, we all got out there and did it together. So it's not quite as individual as it is, at least in the States, where you you know, you want to learn this. And so you take this course, Mm. it the whole school does it together. And as far as I think I talked a little bit about the collaborative, but I found New Zealand teachers to be very collaborative. Yeah, you
0: did. And that's when I just when I was reading that out, I thought you've already said this. And it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, from what I can gather, and I don't know if this is true, I'm not going to but but from what I can gather there's a little bit of um, I want to say bitchiness at schools in the UK maybe in some schools and I think people some people are just worried that that's you know going to be the same over here Um, yeah I Mm. don't yeah well I think that's a result of stress
1: so like in the states um, we were so stressed out particularly at the end of the year when it came time for um, our standardized exams you know like you you're Sometimes, I know I worked a job in the States where my literal job and money depended on how my students did on a standardized mm. test. So if they didn't do well, I didn't get the bonus or whatever you got paid for the child oh. taking the test. So you can imagine when your job, your accreditations, your your paycheck is all depending on student performance. You, that creates stress Gross, yeah. and People when people are stressed, they often don't aren't no, you yeah. know engaging in those interpersonal relationships in a kind way. They're because they're stressed, and so I think you'll find that New Zealand teachers are much more relaxed. There's not the need to stress out about those high stakes testing, and so for that reason, I think that you just find that they they yeah. get along better. Yeah. You know they you know they have more opportunities to you know work alongside one another mm-hmm. so what about perhaps that's the
0: yeah, reason yeah yeah and that answers it well thank you joe what about the the parents and teachers is that do, do teachers have respect sorry do parents have respect for the teachers and you know is there is there that level of mm-hmm. I don't know, when I was at school, you know, my my parents always looked up to the team, oh, you do what your teacher says. Is it the same in New Zealand Mm -hmm. or not? So I think,
1: again, that largely depends on what community that you teach in and how responsive that school is to the local community. So I do think this is where that board of trustees model is so helpful because the school is ran by people in that community. So um, I think that helps. A good bit. Um, I have found parents to be much more supportive and much more, um, you know, like they they just back you. Like they don't just assume that you're out to, you know, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know why parents assume like teachers. You know, they don't assume that you're out to get their child. They <laughs> they have a base level of okay. This person is here to help. <laughs> And I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. So I, I found parents to be, you know, more open to like they'll tell, you know, they're much more open about what's going yeah. on. Oftentimes I would be in a meeting with a parent and I wouldn't know why this parent was upset or they wouldn't have explained it to me or they wouldn't have said. But they're pretty direct. You know, this, this is the problems that we're yeah. having. Um, and so approaching that as, a, okay, so we can work through that if I mm. know. You know, the more communication that we have as teachers,
0: the better we can help yeah. your child. Yeah. Yeah, that's a so, good point. Um, what? How? How often do you speak to the parents? You know, is it like a? Do, are they? Are they allowed to just pop in after school or in the morning or? Yeah. So, so much of this has changed from COVID, mm. but I will tell
1: you that um, I'll I'll tell you pre-COVID days what it was like. Okay, so parents um, were allowed on school grounds. I keep wanting to say campus, but it's such an American, <laughs> American word they don't use it here. So parents are allowed on school grounds um from 8 30 to 9 so you could come with your child you could drop them off you could you know maybe even have a quick chat um with the teacher obviously we didn't encourage mm. parents to have you know Formal communications during that time, but it was a high buy, and make sure you've got everything. And then they parents often picked up their kids after school as well, so you had opportunities every day where you saw parents. We'd also have um, setting up for success meetings, our Fano meetings in the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, where parents would come. And talk with the, you know, a good half hour with the teacher before the, they ever had the, before I ever taught the child. So I got to hear from the parents what they, their goals were and what um, what they're looking for. And it also gave you a chance to establish a relationship before anything goes yeah. wrong, you yeah. know, because you don't want that first contact to be negative. So it was always nice to have those meetings before, you um, and then there's often community events held at the school throughout the year. So like we'll have festivals or um, performances and all of those things where parents mm. come. So pre-COVID, parents are there all the time. The school is the center yeah. of the community.
0: But so. now there's there's nothing, Are they, they're not no. allowed to drop off or anything? Or?
1: Yeah, Aww. so now for um, health reasons, parents have to drop the kids off Um at the gate Mm. so before they can enter school grounds so parents aren't allowed on school Uh grounds um we had to have virtual end of year assemblies where, you know, everybody's in their individual classroom. The kids are on camera and oh. they're like, so-and-so gets an award for oh. <laughs> <laughs> And parents are watching and, you know, computers at home. So, I mean, I guess we all have to uh, be flexible and adapt yeah. to this new COVID world. It's, but, it's odd times, um, isn't hopefully.
0: it, Joanne? It really is. It, it is. is. Um, right, I'm nearly done. I've got three more questions, and then I'm going to let you go. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Have a cup of tea, Joe. Have a big swig. <laughs> right. So I'm just looking through these questions. Did we say about? Do the schools provide all the resources, or are the staff expected to provide those? Schools provide them, don't they? Well, schools provide the basic resources,
1: right. but teachers end up um, resourcing uh, so different parts okay. of the curriculum. Yeah. I would say, though, that um, I've always had a budget for classroom supplies, so um, in the States, we were always expected to purchase whatever we need for the classroom out of our own budget, but that is budgeted through the school, so I can submit receipts and get reimbursed up to a certain amount, but that's never happened to me. I was so excited. I'm like, really? (laughs) Really? You're going to take this receipt, and you're going to give me back my money? Wow.
0: Hang on, in America, you in the state. I have to keep saying the States, I keep saying America and people keep telling me off for it. In the States, you had to buy your own pencils and sharpeners and everything. Yes. No. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, kids are supposed to, but I worked in some, you know, pretty low socioeconomic schools. And so kids didn't have stationery and they needed pencils. So who bought the pencils? I bought the pencils. You know, right? like...
0: Oh, that's yeah. hard to believe, Joe, isn't it? Yeah. I'd be yeah. like, don't sharpen that pencil anymore, please. That's <laughs> you're only one sharpen a week.
1: <laughs> you can still yeah, use exactly. it. This thing. <laughs> Give me a little
0: lick. <laughs> um, talking about um Another question was was um, low decile schools and the higher decile. I've never been able to know. I don't know this question uh, answer, but what is the difference between a high decile school and a low decile school? Okay, so this is
1: one of the things I think New Zealand gets right. Not necessarily giving school's numerical deciles but the idea of the deciles is about funding so a low decile school is typically a school in your most disadvantaged communities and they receive the most funding so a decile one school per student gets far more money than a decile 10 school and for that reason, they have lower class sizes, they have greater resources, and they've got more people to help, which is really um, a neat part about how they structure the system. So your most disadvantaged communities get the most funding. So when you see a decile um, rating, that just tells you the, the level of income in the surrounding community. Right.
0: okay. Right. And so the higher decile, who pays for all that then? Or is it just parents' donations? So the Ministry of Education still pays
1: an amount per child. It just pays a lower amount per child. Okay. I get it. So, yeah. yeah. So because the thought is that, so in a lot of our low decile schools, we'll have a lunch program where lunch is provided um but that doesn't happen in higher decile schools so higher decile schools it's packed lunches only now there's often programs for kids that maybe don't have that food security you know there's there's things that we can do as a community to help them but it's not universal right does that make yes, sense it
0: does yeah it does so there's m- more services in our lower decile right. schools it, it 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 almost pays to go to a low decile school, doesn't it? It's like you know, because you're gonna get there's there's loads more things there, and you're yeah. gonna have a
1: yeah, you're gonna have a lower. S- ratios yeah. you're gonna have more staff around you're gonna get that lunch that sounds great you know? that sounds fantastic don't be afraid of a low no, decile and I'm school. glad you said
0: that Joe, as well because I don't know if it's that snobbery thing that comes in but you tend to you know like if, if areas that you're buying a house it's like oh yeah but it's a low decile school maybe it's the word low decile I don't know you tend to think oh the school isn't going to be as good but actually what you've just said actually it's better <laughs> you know or, or, or not, not so much better but they've got lots more facilities and that's going to yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that. I
1: really encourage parents to take a tour of the school. I know, for example, we rented um, here for a couple of years before we decided to purchase because um, that was one of the things we wanted to feel comfortable of where we were living. And so I remember taking a tour, My, even as a teacher, I remember taking a tour and going, oh, this is great. I'd like yeah. to go to school here, and then I felt better about sending my child. So I think it is important um, if you've got some options, walk around, like principals and are really open. Like the tour was done by the principal, and he spent a half an hour with mm. us. You yeah. know,
0: yeah, and we weren't even students. That's great, isn't it? That's really that's just typical New yeah. Zealand, isn't it? They just have to seem to have time yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, If you were in, say, if I moved to Auckland and I wanted my child to go to a certain school, but that wasn't in my, do you have catchment areas? So it depends on the school. So some schools are zoned and they're zoned because they
1: are at capacity and can't take um, students from everywhere. So if the the school is zoned, then it has a catchment area and you have to live within the catchment area. But if a school is not zoned, so Gulf Harbor School is not zoned, so we, if you come to us and you have the right to be in New Zealand, you have the right to be at our school. Right, okay. You know, right to education in yeah. New Zealand, you
0: have the right to yeah. be here.
1: So um, it just depends on if the school is zoned or not. And typically, they only zone schools if they're at capacity. Right,
0: okay. Oh, right. Oh, have we answered all the questions, Joe? I don't. I don't want to let you go. I, I I'm loving it. I think
1: the only thing that I, the one question that I felt um, was on here that I wish somebody had told me is, what does a day look oh, like? Yeah. You know, what does a a day in primary yeah. school look like? Because it's so different. Okay. Um, so I, I thought, oh, I wish I knew how yeah. this works. So I t- I've already mentioned that school starts later than it does in the States. So um, 8.30, kids start arriving, and 9 o'clock, the academic um, day starts. So a big bell rings, Boo! and all the kids come running in the classrooms because they're typically playing outside, at, you know, hanging out with one another. They come in the class at 9 o'clock, and we have our first part of that academic day. And then, like at ten thirty, so not you know an hour and a half later, we another bell rings and um, it's morning tea time, and the kids go and they sit and they eat outside, which is something we always ate in the cafeteria. So that was just strange. The kids just take their lunch boxes out and they eat outside. We've got covered areas if it rains, but um, and then they play for thirty minutes. Every child across the school so five-year-olds to 11-year-olds they're all outside on the playgrounds in the fields playing together now obviously this is a little different during COVID, but anyway um that is just such a strange concept to us and then a bell rings And the kids all come back into class. We have a second academic block, and the same thing happens at lunchtime, except instead of playing for a half an hour, they play for nearly an hour outside, all of them, unstructured play. And then um, we have our third academic block, and the school's over at three Mm. o'clock. So it's quite a different school day than we're used to, and a lot more unstructured, multi-age play. Right, right. Yeah,
0: that's really good to know, isn't it? Because also, I know because nobody knows.
1: Yeah, like in the way it worked in the states where we ate in the cafeteria with your class, and then you went to um, the playground and had recess with your class. You could go the whole day and never see anybody but the twenty-five kids in your class. You know, when my son started school at five, he had a hard time making friendships, and he played with his sister. Yeah, Yeah. you know because even though they're two years apart and in different classrooms at that playtime and it was a real it only lasted a couple of months before he made his own relationships and he started to do but it was a couple of months where he had the security
0: of knowing that he had his family around and he could see that he see her twice a day I'd love to I'd love to get you back and talk about I mean I don't know if it's something you like talking about but that is fascinating (laughs) All these things that you're yeah. telling me about the school system in the States, it's just, I mean, why would we know about that? But you just, you, you hear it and you're like, really? Yeah, it's just, no wonder mm-hmm. the people in this group are, are asking all these questions. Because some of the questions I think, you know, why are you asking that question? But then when you hear, like, your point of view, you know, what it was like over there, no wonder, you know. It's it so different. really different. Oh, and... Uh, don't want to let you go joe (laughs) okay before i let you go i'm gonna ask you one more thing ready what is i I think i think i know the answer to your frustration but what is the one frustration you have about new zealand schools as a teacher and what is the best bit about new zealand schools being a teacher okay so i think
1: i've already given my frustration that we really don't have a good way to cater kids on either side of the spectrum you know like The New Zealand schools are largely meet the needs of most learners. And um, I think parents can feel comfortable sending their kids to pretty much... Any school in New Zealand. But I think that really the kids with learning differences, Mm. you know, that's a hard bit for me. Yeah, I think that's the biggest frustration. And I do think it is a huge responsibility on the teacher, you know, taking that curriculum and um, finding a way. So some people love that, but I find it it could be overwhelming, especially teachers who weren't trained here Mm. and, you know, and haven't um, had that. So I think those are the frustrations. But...
0: Yeah. And what's your best bit? And don't say lunchtime. Best bit, okay. (laughs) Eating my
1: (laughs) Tex-Mex. Oh, yeah, so best bit. So, yeah, the best bit, I think, are um, the kids. I mean, Kiwi kids, just they're resilient and they're social. I think it, you know... When you have to navigate a lot of unstructured play, you have to learn to get along with one another with low you know interactions with adults they have to they have to work it out themselves, and so I think that really makes them resilient problem solvers mm. and I, so I really enjoy that aspect and I think to like they're not afraid to get dirty you know like school is you know nobody's afraid to get dirty, nobody cares what you're wearing you know um <laughs> yeah, I I just I Kiwi kids are just such so yeah. fun. So I've really enjoyed um teaching and you know
0: teaching the kids. Oh, I've absolutely loved talking to you Joe and uh, all the <laughs> things that you're saying are explaining to me now why because I I found like, like exactly like you say you meet Kiwi children and they're like you think, you know, where did you get these skills from? Like how, you, they're very confident and they don't mind talking and, you know, they're just, like you say, they just get on with it. And they've learned it. Well, obviously they've learned it from their family and their parents, but they've learned it from school, like you just said, because they're just, they're, they're left to play for such a long period of time and they're just, you know, all playing together in different age groups. That's a healthy way to be, isn't it? So yeah, it's really shone a light yeah, And on there's it. not a lot of...
1: I mean, there's playgrounds and there's climbing things, and you know, you can check out some balls to play with the courts. But it's largely like you have to navigate that play all mm. on your own. There's not somebody saying, "Hey, we're gonna p- play a game of pickup football." You know, out on the field, the kids have to say, "Okay, you're gonna be the goalie, and I'm gonna be the mm. kicker, and we've got to work this stuff out together." Um, you know, I know my kids during those long periods of time to do a lot of creative and imaginative plays like oh today we're all being cats and you're the mommy cat and i'm the baby cat and they do that for hours every day
0: outside yeah (sighs) yeah oh i love it i absolutely love it um i have to warn you joe i I know that once this goes out i'm gonna have people saying will you get back and talk about this so um i hope (laughs) you'll be able to come back and chat with me and do it like a part two but for now, I just want to say thank you, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And if I was, if I was a little child and I wanted to teach her, I would want you to teach me because <laughs> <laughs> you just seem so lovely. So you've, you've really shone such a great light on this, you know, this uncertainty that people have about being a teacher in New Zealand and also about being a kid in New Zealand and going to school in New Zealand. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you so, so much. Thank you, Jo. Absolutely. Okay, I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks, Joe. Oh, I loved that. No worries. Oh, I loved it. Hello. Oh, didn't you just love that? Didn't you just love Joanne? Honestly, it was one of the best, best interviews I've ever done simply because that lady knows her stuff and she just has a way of delivering it to you so clearly. Thank you so, so much, Joanne. Thank you, Ryan, for introducing me to your lovely wife. She's absolutely gorgeous. Now, as promised, if you're still here and you want to know about how you can be part of our private New Zealand community group, then listen and I'll tell you all about it. So Brian and I offer a free five-day video guide. That's absolutely free. You must have heard me talk about it lots. You probably heard a little advert in the show that you've just listened to. That's absolutely free. It's a five-day video guide. And at the end of that guide, you are then offered a chance to purchase the NZ Ahead Ultimate Package. Within that package, there's over seven hours and growing um, videos that Brian and I have made. There's absolutely no B footage. It's all stuff that has happened in our life and we filmed it. You know, we go to schools and doctors and everywhere. We just it's, it's a brilliant package And we also give monthly private podcasts that we don't put out to the public. There's a bunch of good stuff in that New Zealand calling package, but probably the most valuable, valuable thing in there is the the community. When you join up, you become a member of the private community. And at the moment, we've got 115 people in there. And they're all moving to New Zealand. These people adore New Zealand and these people are all planning on moving to New Zealand. We've got teachers in there, we've got IT, doctors, nurses, all different professions, people with kids, people with wanting to join their grandchildren, all different ages. The common theme in that group is we love New Zealand and we want to make a new life there. If that sounds like something that you would be interested in joining, then we would love to have you. Brian and I facilitate that group. We're there if you want to ask us questions. But to be honest, the people that are already living in New Zealand and they've just moved to New Zealand, they're the ones that can give you that up-to-date information that they've just gone through that big move themselves and they're right there to help you. So like I say, if that is something that you're interested in, we would love to have you. Head over to www.nzahead.com slash free. That's www.nzahead.com slash free. Sign up for the free five-day video guide and at the end of that you'll be given very clear directions of how to go on to the next stage of purchasing the, the package. I really hope to see you on the other side. I can't wait to get to know you better. And like I say, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful episode. Thank you again so much, Joanne. You've been an absolute star. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. We have loved having you here with us. If you love this week's show, please share this with your friends. Send it to anybody you know that wants to think about moving to New Zealand and get on over here yourself. Tell them how brilliant it is as well. And also, if you haven't signed up for our free five-day video guide showing you what life is like, really like, in New Zealand, then go over to the website and sign up. You are missing out. This is brilliant. Go over to www.news.org nzahead slash free and we will send you five days worth of videos about what life is like in New Zealand you are going to love it so one more time that website that you need to sign up for the free five-day guide is www.nz Ahead slash free so we're gonna see you next week until then have a great week And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Say bye again. Bye. Bye.